Welcome to Primitive Moves, a podcast brought to you by Gettysburg College and Gettysburg Entrepreneurial Thinkers. I'm Marco Greenberg, author of Primitive, Tapping the Primal Drive that Powers the World's Most Successful People. On this podcast, I'm talking to the brightest minds in business to get their advice for students jumping into the job market and anyone at any point in their career journey. Here to help me are Professor Drew Murphy and a bunch of Gettysburg students. This week, we're talking to Malika Chopra, an author, speaker, meditation teacher, entrepreneur, and mom. Maybe you've heard of her father, Deepak Chopra, who helped kickstart the meditation and mindfulness movement here in the U.S. But Malika's a force all her own. She spoke to us about how to make use of the imposter syndrome, how mindfulness can make you a better entrepreneur, and how to take advantage of those moments when everyone thinks you're at the top of the world, but you suddenly realize, I don't want to be here. Here's Malika Chopra. When we spoke about two years ago for my book, Primitive, we were thinking that you could apply to any of the roaming chapters, and we slotted you in agnostic for making some atypical jumps in your career, marching to your own drummer. And maybe we can start with a little bit of your own trajectory, Malika. The subtitle to my book, Living with Intent, is My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace, and Joy. And it's the messiness, which is what I really like to highlight. I grew up in Boston. Many people know about my father, Deepak Chopra, so we'll talk about that. But when I grew up, My father was a doctor who was pretty stressed out. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My brother and I went to first the public schools. There were three people of color in our entire neighborhood. So, you know, we always felt kind of like the outsiders. I ended up in a private school for high school, and then I've got a great education. But when I graduated from college, despite the background I had grown up in of meditation and mindfulness and intention... I wanted the coolest job that I could get and ended up getting a job for MTV and international marketing in New York. And it was a very unique time. It was 93, 94 when MTV was launching internationally. When I was there, they decided that they wanted to launch in India. And I convinced my boss, I was 23 years old, I convinced my boss that I should be the person they sent to India to launch MTV in India. I told them, you know, I know all these musicians, I know the entertainment world, I can speak Hindi, all of which is basically a lie. So when I went to India, they let me do everything. So I did marketing, business development, did videos for No Doubt in the Streets of Delhi, I met my husband at the first rave in New Delhi, and it was at 23, I had my dream job. And then I had this, my first of many experiences where I paused when we were kind of had just sold a big business deal and found ourselves in the slums of Bombay. And I remember being in a car and everybody celebrating in the car We were drinking champagne and suddenly we found ourselves stuck in traffic. And as we approached this roadside stall, we saw that there was a television hanging by wires with MTV flickering in and out. And everybody in my car began to cheer because we had, this was a big business success. And my heart stopped and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? That is what we call a defining moment. 
It was. And I've had several defining moments for me in this winding career path. That was a very pivotal moment because in many ways I had all the pizzazz and I could go to any nightclub and, you know, it was like a very exciting job. But I had this moment where I thought, oh God, am I living with my purpose, living aligned with my values? I I had got amazing skill sets, but I knew that there was a combination of, I don't really believe in what I'm doing, combined with, am I really meant to be in a large organization? I also knew that that wasn't my path either. And was it the empathy for less privileged people that really woke you up to get more in line with what you truly wanted to do? Or was it more than that? I wouldn't say it was empathy. I will admit at that time, I don't think I had kind of the social justice hat on. But I grew up with a father, Deepak Chopra, who taught my brother and I how to meditate when we were, I was nine years old. And first meditation transformed our family life because before meditation, my parents were very stressed out. My dad was a pretty miserable person. And when they learned how to meditate, my parents were happier. They had a better relationship. Suddenly my father would notice me and my brother and be like, oh, what grade are you in? You know, he had an interest in us suddenly. And so that shaped me like nine, 10 years old. And I had this journey of meditation. But another thing my father really taught my brother and I was this concept of intention. We would do our meditation practice. And then often he would ask us afterwards to say a phrase. It goes like this. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and set the goals I will achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. And he'd ask us as kids, so what do you ask for? We'd say, take us to the Celtics, a trip to Hawaii, new Atari games. And then he'd say, okay, well, what about asking for love, connection, inspiration, a sense of purpose? And we were taught as children to ask for the qualities in our life that would make us happier, healthier, more connected, and of purpose. So that moment at MTV kind of took me back to those questions of how can I serve, not just how can I serve my world? How can I serve myself? And am I really living aligned with the values that I hold dear? And you got your MBA. So a lot of people, when they're hearing about intent and purpose and wellness and meditation and mantras, they don't always connect that with an MBA. But since we have students who are studying business, maybe you can talk a little bit about what drove you in that direction and what they can think of if they're interested also in extending their business studies. Working in a company like MTV actually afforded me this insight into so many aspects of business. So, you know, because of my unique position in the company, I was the only person in India for a year and a half. And so I got to do satellite distribution and business development, coming up with marketing campaigns, understanding finance. So I would say the MTV experience was the real like a deep dive MBA. And then I ended up meeting my husband. He had done his undergrad in the U.S. as well at Michigan State. And it just felt like it was the right time to go to grad school. But I will be honest, neither of us 
had any idea what we wanted to do. I went in and I'll never forget, even in business school, you know, you go through these interviews where you interview with investment banking or consulting. And I remember being in an interview with McKinsey for a summer internship. And we talked a little bit about my background. And the guy actually asked me, he's like, why in the world would you want to come to a place like McKinsey, given what you had done at MTV? And I was like, I don't want to, like, actually that you asked that, I don't really want to because... I am more entrepreneurial. I knew that about myself. And I said, you know, so I was just curious about the interview because, you know, you hear all about these interviews. And of course, in the end, they called 10 people back for the callback and they had called me. (laughs) But I never went because, again, I think what you do is in this path. And I think I was taught that as a kid. You know, you start to get more insight in what makes you happy what your skill sets are, and that sometimes even the kind of gold ticket that is out there, you start to get more insight that that's not for me. And so for me, it was like exploring many things to get there. And when you're exploring those things, do you sometimes step on some landmines, have some setbacks, have some failures, question yourself and say, what am I doing here? I am about to turn 50. And right now, if you ask me, I am like, oh my God, what am I doing? There are landmines everywhere. I mean, I think it's a process that for me has been throughout because that's the nature of a personality that I think is more entrepreneurial, to be honest. So my life, I always think of as all like the major bumps in the road. So I've had two startup companies. For one, I raised venture money when I was in business school, dropped out of business school to launch a company, was almost acquired by News Corp. And then the market crashed and everything. I went through bankruptcy. So huge event and huge failure, I would say in many ways, but then taught me so much so that when I did my second company, I did the opposite where I just got friends and family to put in some money. And so then I went through that process. And then I kind of realized a few years ago, the company was wonderful while the company was there and it served its purpose. But then it was like, I'm kind of over it. And then I moved on into this writing world. But I do think because of my business entrepreneurial background, I've been more successful in marketing books. You know, we're living in a world where people say, be transparent. You're radically transparent. As successful as you are, you're willing to share your own doubts, which I think is super refreshing and unusual. I'm so glad you said that. I out myself as having the imposter syndrome. I think if the flame's too high on that imposter, it's not good. But if it's non-existent, we become overconfident. How do you deal with that? And how do you also reconcile it with your mindfulness practice, which from an outside perspective, one thinks is calm and accepting? And you're acknowledging that there's some choppy water out there too. Yeah, there's always choppy water. I think as a lifelong meditator and someone who has actually taught like a lot of people about meditation, what they do do is help you find an anchor in yourself that amidst all the craziness, because the craziness is always going to be there. We're never going to escape the craziness. It's more that amidst the craziness, we can tap into a sense of self to be anchored in one, knowing who we are, which is the whole basis of my kid book, Just Be You, but also self-reflection. So asking questions, 
recognizing that we sometimes have to be infinitely flexible, that when is it time to let go? You know, that's a big one, especially as an entrepreneur or a business person. You know, when do we let go of pursuing something? So I, I'm always at the imposter syndrome, to be honest. I think one of the reasons I went back to do my master's in psychology was I found success in my books, you know, living with intent. And I was on the speaking circuit and I've been teaching thousands of people. And I know that I have the extreme privilege because of my family for opportunity. And I was like, you know, I should just get an academic degree for this. So in a way, the way that I went for my MBA, kind of like, because I had no idea what I was doing when I went to get my master's at like 40 or so, you know, I really went because I kind of found my path, but then I wanted to really home in on the academic and the intellectual and the research and the science part of it. And for me, I realized that I could give much more credibility actually to the category that I'm talking about by having a degree from Columbia University, because that was just part of what I've seen with my father and other people who have really paved the way in this meditation, mindfulness, yoga, mind-body world, is that there are scientists and academics. So I was like, you know, for the long term for this role that I have, I'm going to do that now because of that, after Columbia, I got this opportunity with the kids book, Apple reached out to me. So it again, you know, I am a believer in kind of combining the entrepreneurial stuff, but also having the credibility that comes from education and degrees and, you know, right jobs. I mean, to be honest, I was very lucky with the MTV job. So that gave me good branding moving forward. I love the serendipity also that you're describing, Malika, and letting things happen. Here we are with many students from Gettysburg, a superb college. What advice do you have for them when they say, well, I might be too busy to meditate? When I was nine, when I learned how to meditate, as I said, I'm about to turn 50. So mm -hmm. I can really talk about 40 years of my own practice. And I am a very irregular meditator to this day. I've gone through years where I meditate twice a day, then like a decade where I didn't meditate at all because I was too busy. And then I rediscovered it. And, you know, I'm very non-judgmental about this stuff because I find that, you know, I've been too busy often. That being said, when I'm too busy is when I need it the most. Mm -hmm. When I can't sit quiet and find rest, that's when I need it the most. And so this doesn't have to be complicated. It can really just start with taking a deep breath. Even while you guys are sitting here listening to me, take a deep breath in and out. So much can happen when you just breathe. Now I'm going to take a breath and let Professor Drew Murphy ask Malika some big questions. So Malika, I, I chuckled when you said, I told a few white lies. As a habitual lifelong entrepreneur, we always walk around with fake it till you make it. There's a difference between being a sincere and honest and you know genuine person and exaggerating your ability a little bit to get yourself an opportunity. And as young people clearly trying to make their way in the world where I keep trying to encourage to them that 
this moment in your life is not the time to be shy. It's the time to perhaps be a little bold. So if you wanted to add anything around that topic, I think it'd be great for them. Absolutely. So I like to say that I'm a good storyteller. So I know that that's one of my strengths. So I can go and I've done this many a time because I've raised a lot of money that I can go into a venture person or someone that I'm trying to seek money from and I can tell a good story. And of course, the story is exaggerated whenever you're showing numbers, you know, and speculating on sales or audience or whatever it may be. But it really is when I am in there, I genuinely believe what I'm telling. So I think the first thing is to really like if you are driving towards something, you have to really believe it. And they know that you're also telling white lies, by the way. So even in the MTV example, you know, I was like, oh, I know Hindi. I knew like a little bit of Hindi, like from, you know, my parents eavesdropping when they were gossiping on things and getting like 20% of what they were saying. But I knew that if I went to India, like I could handle it, you know, because in my mind, I knew that it's English and Hindi. I wouldn't have proclaimed that I could go to Portugal and kind of carry that off. But I felt confident that if I needed to, I could figure it out. So I think it's really about believing that whatever you're pursuing, you truly believe it in your heart and your soul. And also then being driven enough and confident enough, you'll still always feel the imposter, but still just kind of going for it. But that's a personality. I think it takes a unique personality to be able to know that of themselves and know the other things that they're not good at. It seems to me that there's a direct connection between the confidence and fearlessness with which you behaved entrepreneurially and the contentment, peace of mind, sense of purpose that you found from your mindfulness practices. Maybe you could share that connection with everyone. What the meditation and mindfulness practices have done is that one, they have given me space to breathe and to just feel rested and to feel quiet and to feel anchored. So actually creativity often comes in those moments when we're really quiet. That's one. The second, which I think is something that's different than kind of all of the meditation and mindfulness conversation that's out there. The way that my father really taught my brother and I was to recognize that meditation mindfulness isn't about stress reduction. You know, it's not about just dealing with anxiety. These practices that have lasted thousands of years in wisdom traditions, whether they're from India or Southeast Asia or from Israel or from Native American traditions, thousands of years ago, those guys sitting in the caves of the Himalayas, they weren't that stressed out. Rather, they were using the practice to think about who they were to really understand the universe and larger questions. And so that's why um, in my book, Just Be You, it is really about self-reflection. It's about asking questions. So we were often guided also after our meditations to ask, who am I? What do I want? How can I serve? But that's how can I serve myself and how can I serve my world? And what am I grateful for? Those answers keep changing and it's in that self-reflection. It wasn't even just about giving confidence, but it was really starting with like, okay, what do I want? And starting with that, then everything came out of that. That was author and speaker Malika Chopra. Go out and get her books. Just breathe, just feel, and just be you. Along with a personal favorite, 
Living with Intent. Huge thanks to her for stopping by, and as always, thanks to Professor Murphy and the students of Gettysburg College. Primitive Moves is hosted by me, Marco Greenberg, and produced by Caroline Glennon and Robert Scaramuccia. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. Until next week, keep trusting your primal instincts.